The Lord has shown forth his glory. Come, let us adore him. I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Those who are not particularly religious or who don't show up here to hear the announcement of the dates for our liturgical calendar might not know when the Feast of the Epiphany is. After all, our culture does not celebrate Epiphany. It celebrates Christmas and the Magi kind of show up somewhere in there. But people do know what Epiphany looks like. It's three guys wearing crowns, kneeling down at the foot of Mary, who's cradling the infant Jesus. Each one is holding a slightly different gift, and there are looks of awe and wonder on their faces. And in fact, this is a feast of looking. The Magi are looking for the child born king of the Jews. Herod, upon learning about this child, calls upon priests and scribes to discover where this king was born, then sends the Magi to Bethlehem to look for him. Indeed, this is a season of looking, of revealing who Jesus is, though the word epiphany means a sudden manifestation of the essential nature of something, a sudden realization only those looking seem to see. Thus, during this season, we will see John the Baptist looking for and finding Jesus as Son of God. Demons, always on the lookout for the holy, just as criminals are always on the lookout for the cops. Demons look for and see Jesus, even as those around him just don't seem to get what all the fuss is about. This is the season when we celebrate the revelation of Jesus as the Son of God, of the coming of the light of God shining forth into the world. And so on this feast, in this season, when we gaze upon the infant Jesus gurgling happily in his mother's arms as she smiles beatifically upon him as kings kneel before him, But as we look at the Magi and Mary looking adoringly at Jesus, and there's a beautiful creche over there where you can observe all that, as we look at them, we must realize too that the infant, Jesus, looks back at us. For as with all scripture, we don't just get to look, interpret it. It looks at and interprets us. In this story, so simple and pure, so well known after all these years of being told and sung about after being on the front of so many Christmas cards, in this story, we must also look at how people respond to this revelation of the divine the epiphany of the holy. In this small story, there are really four responses, though I'm sure there are hundreds of ways we might respond to God in our midst. 
But here, in this story, we see magi coming from afar, following a star of all things, come to the center of power, big city Jerusalem, to find the baby who will be the king of the Jews. They assume it will be easy to find him. He'll be in the important city, among important people, where folks will be eager to hail this new king. What they find is, no one knows what they're talking about. They ask around, and no one has an answer. No one's heard about a king being born. They've got a king already, that rascal Herod put in place by the occupying Romans. Because of their assumptions of who this king is, the Magi end up in the wrong place. But they catch the attention of Herod, paranoid like any tyrannical leader that someone else might usurp his power. It's only through Herod and his calling on the religious experts that they find out where this baby really is, in little town of Bethlehem, a place of no importance, filled with peasants, no place for a king. And now things get really interesting. This revelation of the divine, this epiphany, leads to so many different responses. The religious leaders who Herod calls in show no interest in this prophecy of old, the one they interpret for him. They don't seem to care that this might have been actually fulfilled. We don't hear about them rushing off to Bethlehem, which is only nine miles away. The religious seem content to stay at home, study, conduct their services as usual, carrying on as they always have. Herod, of course, is eaten up with jealousy, frightened by this news. Though he asks the Magi to tell him Jesus' location so he too can pay homage, we know the truth. He responds with fear and later with violence by calling for the slaughter of all male children under the age of two in order to protect his throne. Then finally, we return to the Magi. Though at first they responded to the star, to the prophecy, by assuming they knew where a king would or should be born, which led them astray to Jerusalem, they soon get back on track, staying faithful to the star. And when it stops, they are overwhelmed by joy. And when they enter the house, see the child with Mary, his mother, they kneel down, pay homage, then offer gifts. In this season of epiphany, how are we looking for God in our world? Do we continue with the old assumptions about how God is at work in the world and in our lives? Are we looking at all? Or are we so busy, so distracted by jobs and families and binge-watching on Netflix, that we're no longer interested in seeing, looking for the holy? Are we threatened by the appearance of one more important, 
more authoritative, more wonderful, more loving than ourselves? Do we fear what God might see or reveal in us? Or, I pray, are we able to change course when needed, drop our assumptions, leave the well-beaten path, and go to the humble place, Bethlehem, not Jerusalem, to see God as God really is, rather than as we had imagined? And will we respond with joy? And will we kneel down in awe? For though the first epiphany happened over 2,000 years ago, we are still a people walking, stumbling our way towards God. We are still a people in the dark beset by foolish, tyrannical leaders facing a world of chaos. We are still a people longing for, desperately in need of the holy, of the one who joins us so that we might see him and then looks back at us in love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.